Hello, I'm Curtis Bowers, and this is Agenda Weekly. Thank you so much for joining me again this week. I hope you've had a good week, and I hope you have a nice time in a few days celebrating July 4th. Make sure, with all the fun and games and barbecues and things going on, that you stop and give thanks to God for allowing you to live in a country like this. We've fallen a long way from where we started, but still have so much to be thankful for. And the reality is so many people all over the world have never even experienced what we still have in America, that sense of being free, that sense of being able to pursue whatever you think God would want you to do and and everything. And I know we're losing that dramatically, and we need to pray about that as well, that God will have mercy on us and help us regain those freedoms that are being lost daily. But July 4th should be a day of thanksgiving uh, for all he has given us. This week, we're going to be covering your questions, lots of different questions on lots of different topics, and then a few news stories and some important things I came across I want to share with you. But I think you'll enjoy this um, as we just delve into a wide variety of topics. But again, thank you so much for joining me. Those that are subscribers, thank you for being a part of what we do. We really appreciate it greatly. A couple things to cover before we get into the questions. One, you've probably heard about it, but the Sound of Freedom movie starts this coming week. And we have the links below to get tickets. And I encourage you to get some tickets, even if you're not able to go. Um, we need to support things like this that is exposing the human and child trafficking worldwide. Tens of millions of women and children are trapped in this thing. There's more slaves today in the world than there's ever been in history. And that's where our efforts need to go in stopping that instead of whining about slavery that happened 150 years ago in America. And But this is so vital because right now our own Department of Justice doesn't even go after child traffickers. They've just kind of, oh, well, that's not really our jurisdiction or whatever. And so it's something that is just not being addressed in the, for the serious nature of what it is. As I was thinking about this, child trafficking is one of the most evil things that's ever happened in the history of the world. It's far worse than abortion, which is horrible, because it's demonic at its very core. It's satanic, because even a sinful man is not interested in a child. I'm a sinful man. That would never even enter my mind. That is so beyond the pale. You know it's demonic because the only pleasure in it is that you are destroying innocence. You are destroying something that's innocent and pure, and that's where your pleasure is. Um, and so that's just how corrupt this is. I don't want to get into details, but it's just... It's the most vile thing I've ever heard of, and that's probably ever happened in the history of the world. But millions of children are trapped in this all over the world. And like we talked about a few weeks ago, about a million children every year in America disappear. Some of them might be runaways, some of them might be whatever, but many of them, because of the, the money that's involved in this, are being kidnapped and then sold into this kind of slavery. And the fact that there's so many millions and millions of people worldwide that are willing to pay for that 
shows what a dark day we are living in. Long ago, when Jesus was on the earth, we see throughout the Bible that often he would, you know, free someone from demonic possession. And that was a normal thing all the time it would be happening. And I think in this modern world, we feel like, well, that doesn't happen anymore. There's not demon-possessed people around. And I think that's so naive. I think there's millions of demon-possessed people in America and throughout the world, probably hundreds of millions worldwide. I think the entire transgender movement is demonic possession. Anything that would twist you in that way to destroy yourself um, in such a blatant manner and that would encourage parents to, to destroy and mutilate their own children as if it's a wonderful thing that we're standing for, that's demonic. That's a whole different level of just lustful men wanting to, you know, look at pornography or hire a prostitute or something. That, that's one level of sinfulness. But these things are 10 layers, 100 layers below that. But anyway, I encourage you to go to or just buy tickets for The Sound of Freedom to help that message get out there because it's so vital. I also want to brag on one of you, uh, Roly and Kate. They sent me something they're doing uh, to subscribers, and I thought it was a great idea. They typed up a little pamphlet that just covers all the attributes of God and, and why those attributes are significant to us individually. And they did this, they said in there, and I thought it was neat. Well, if we ever get dementia, we want to still be able to remember all the attributes of God, where we can still go through these things. And then primarily, they also did it for their grandchildren. And I've been reading it to my children, and it's excellent. And maybe I'll ask them if I can post it on agenda weekly for you all but it's so encouraging as you look at who God is in his attributes and his power and his might it's it's I don't know a great blessing and encouragement I want to thank you for doing that and that's a great idea what are you doing I want to ask all the rest of you what are you doing to keep the hearts and minds of your children and grandchildren where they understand who God is they love him and they are serving him, and they understand just how magnificent he is, and he's worthy to be worshipped and followed and obeyed. And uh, we need to be doing that. That's one of the most valuable things we can do with our time is by holding on to the next generation or two and teaching them all the things we've learned in our life about what is truth and what isn't. You probably saw in the Tucker Carlson episode this week that came out about Zelensky in the Ukraine. And I won't get into it too much, but he talks about he's going to cancel the coming elections if the war is not over. And this is a man that has already outlawed all opposing political parties in the country of Ukraine. He's a ruthless dictator, a thug. And now he's saying, well, yeah, we might not have elections if the war's still going on because of martial law and everything. Uh, that's what we're fighting for. That's what the Ukrainian people are dying for. It's total nonsense. Diana West had a great article that came out a week or so ago, and we'll have the link below to this. But it's called The Last Revolution.
And I'm just going to read a little bit of this to you because it really, it's sobering to think about. And I think she made some great points on what's happening and how we need to face the reality that we are in the last revolution right now. It's not coming down the road. It's not going to be here one day. We are in the midst of it. She said, we are living through the last revolution, even if very few people realize it. Very few people realize anything, which is in itself a diabolical driver of this last revolution. And then she goes on, this is the last revolution because there's no place to go. There's no haven, new or old, no range, no frontier, no land, or people beyond the powers of connectivity or depopulation. How can that be? The answer lies in the diabolical genius of this last revolution. Nearly perfect propaganda cover, all but perfect logistical protection and institutional support for this final revolutionary onslaught against humanity. Boy, isn't that true? It's the last revolution because there's nowhere to go. We don't have an America to go to like the pilgrims had. When they were being abused over there in England, Okay, we need to go to America. We need to go to the new world. There's no place to go beyond the grasp of technology and their control. Now for the death rattle. No matter how few hear it, the supreme state prosecutions of the current president of the United States, Donald Trump, and those who protested the coup of November 3rd, 2020, at the U.S. Capitol on January 6, 2021. Did you catch what she said there? That the Supreme State right now is prosecuting the current President of the United States. When she said that, I go, she's right. We all kind of, oh no, Biden's the President. He's not the President. He did not win the election. It's a coup. It's total corruption and it's a coup using the power they've attained from the coup to prosecute the legitimate president of the United States in, in hopes of literally throwing him in prison until he dies. Um, we need to wake up. She goes on and she covers other things, but she says, shut up and cower goes the unspoken subtext, lest you get thrown into prison for 18 years for exercising your rights under the U.S. Constitution. That's what happened to Oath Keeper founder Stuart Rhodes, who has drawn the longest January 6th sentence so far, including extra time for terrorism. Yes, terrorism. Scan the Rhodes cheat sheet, courtesy of Gateway Pundit, and find the terrorism. Now, this is so sobering. And I'll go into a little more detail here, then you can read the article for all the details, but... Oath Keeper's founder, Stuart Rhodes, he never went inside the U.S. Capitol on January 6th. He never went inside. And he has an 18-year prison sentence. He never instructed anyone to go inside the U.S. Capitol. He was unarmed, as were all of his Oath Keeper's associates that day. There was no plan to enter the U.S. Capitol. The few Oath Keepers who entered the U.S. Capitol assisted police. There was no scheme to take over the government with their bare hands. <laughs> we must always remember that every time the live insurrection is brought up. Everyone was unarmed. 
and no one in the history of the world has ever tried to have an insurrection being unarmed, where you're just going to yell at the people to take over a country. There were no pre-planning meetings on how they were going to take over the capital. The prosecution was a sham. There was no evidence of an insurrection at all, obviously. The jury was a pool of D.C. communists and unhinged left-wing activists who see themselves as victims. And lots of different things happen there. And then Stuart Rhodes talks about what's happened and how significant it is. But I want to wrap up with just the last part of what he said. I was found guilty for being a Trump supporter and the founder of Oath Keepers. That was my actual crime. Do you realize that's a crime now in America? If you voted for Trump, if you're for the Make America Great Again policies, that's a crime in this country. And you might get 18 years in prison also. I was simply a political opposition leader. That's the problem. But what I see on the political right is still trying to pretend like they live in a country where you can get a fair trial. We all kind of feel that. You can't. The days of a fair trial are completely over in this country. Until something revolutionary happens the other direction, it's not about that. All the Department of Justice and the intelligence agencies are all just being used to hunt down anyone that is against the coup that happened, against them individually. And then Diana West closes with this. How about a fair or how about a reasonable, humane incarceration? Not in the gulag of the Supreme State. Gateway Pundit reports that Rhodes, having already endured one pretrial year in solitary confinement, before his trial he had a year of solitary confinement. Do you understand they don't do that to the most vile criminals? Most people in just a few months of solitary confinement will go crazy. They will literally go insane. Um, he had a year of that before his trial. Other January Sixers have exceeded two years in solitary pretrial confinement, and many have been tortured and abused. I mean, right now, think about that. They're still being held in isolation 22 hours a day and are shackled even when they take a shower. And they haven't had their trial yet. They haven't been convicted of anything. And she ends with this last line. No, this is not America anymore. What would happen if more people realized it? Well, I think at some point if more people realized it, we'd finally realize we have been taken over. And like our founders, we need to wait for them to fire the first shot, however that is or whatever that looks like. I don't even know. But I do think there'll be a point where that's going to happen, where we realize, okay, now the 2024 election has been stolen, and so voting is not a solution to our problem. And Congress will not listen to us anymore on anything, and at some point, something's going to happen, and something's going to get started, and we need to be thinking about that now. When that happens, are we going to be involved with that or not, or what, what are we doing? It's, I know it sounds like crazy talk, but it's not. Because the facts all tell us what was just stated there. We've already been taken over. It's not coming. It's not one day there might be a communist revolution and we'll fall to the Marxist. We've already fallen to the Marxist. 
They've taken over all the institutions of influence and they're the ones raising the next generation. They're the, the ones that have political control of the system illegally. And we think everything's okay. My favorite team's playing this weekend. It's going to be great. We do need to be sober because it's, it's real. It's all around us. And I think the odds are after the 2024 election at some point, there's going to be an explosion of anxiety against a corrupt system. And we could find ourselves in the middle of the second war of independence very quickly. And I'm not encouraging anyone to do anything ever. But when you're all of a sudden in the middle of a war zone and it's already started and people are aiming guns at you, then you have to decide, am I going, am I going to stand up uh, for my family and my wife and children and community or not? Am I going to submit to their chains of slavery? And that's something each individual person needs to pray about and think about and make a decision on. Now on to your questions. I'll try to cover as many as I can very quickly. It just caught my attention, the video with Dr. Shiva, he states he's running for president of the United States in 2024. When he states he was born in India, from my knowledge, he would not be eligible for the president because of that. If my understanding is correct, I question his accuracy on anything he is saying. Clarification would be great. And um, here's the details. I was not recommending him for president, but he is a very sharp man. In that video, he so clearly explained the situation we're in in such, you know, just in 10 minutes or so, I, I, I thought it was a great piece of information. But the reality is I don't think that clause in the Constitution will ever be um, upheld ever again because of Obama. When they would not show a birth certificate for him, when they have locked up all his college records for another 50 years, which I think show very clearly he must have not been eligible for president either. He was not a natural-born citizen. He was probably born in Indonesia. And I would never have thought that except their reaction. They would never produce his birth certificate. And years later when they finally did, it was clearly a forgery compared to other Hawaii birth certificates. But then all his college records have been locked up. Well, why would they do that? Because it might show he was a foreign exchange student from Indonesia, which it probably does. So my conclusion is he was not legitimate either without any other information, just their reaction and what they did to stop us from looking at that. Then you go, oh, okay, you must be guilty. You don't run and hide when you're not guilty. So not recommending Dr. Shiva for president or anything just like that presentation he gave but I don't think that'll ever come up again if a foreigner runs for president because Obama already set the precedent that anybody can run and we don't care anymore. That's an outdated idea. And then Julie talks about Brandon Weikart's information, the clips I put on a week or so ago about the COVID-19 uh, being created in a lab and all that. She says it was created in North Carolina in Chapel Hill and all that. And I agree with you 100%, Julie, you're right. And so we didn't get into that. I have in the past that when I talked about 
this wasn't a thing China tried to do to us. This was a thing the globalists did to remove Trump from power and take huge steps forward in consolidating power worldwide and setting a precedent where they can do lockdowns, they can force vaccinations, they could do all these different things. So um, I agree 100%. We didn't get into that in that episode. I thought he had some interesting points on some different things, and that's why I played that. But yes, uh, COVID-19 was a military mission from the United States, and uh, and we are responsible for it 100%. The elites in this country who are the masterminds behind the the destruction of everything, but you're, you're absolutely right on that. And I've had other videos that cover that in more in detail. And then she goes on, my husband and I have three teenagers and one in his 20s, and we are constantly trying to share with them how to see all that's happening in this crazy time. And your information every week is so helpful. Well, Julie, thank you so much for sharing it with them. All of you share these videos with young people that you know. We need to get a hold of them while they're young so they see it's all smoke and mirrors. It's all a lie. Um, that is so vital that we tell them that because all the lies are aimed at them, to deceive them, to, to destroy them, to get them to think the world operates the way Hollywood says it operates, where there's no consequences for sin and everything's fine and the point of life is to have fun. and That's all the lies coming at them. And they're the boss and they should do whatever they think is right and they should follow their heart. You know, the Bible says he who followeth his heart is a fool. Well, we need to wake them up to that because all the lies that are being sold in the world, they end in the same place. Death might be the death of an economy, death of a marriage, death of your purity, death of so many different things. But that's all they're selling and we need to warn them that because it doesn't look like that all the time. Sin at first doesn't have the consequences that it has later. So it can appear like, well, it's no big deal. You guys told me not to do that, but my friends are all doing it. They're having a great time. But if you don't look five years later and pull back the curtain and see, oh, they're all in drug rehab places or alcohol rehab places or, or they destroyed their life and they're on their third marriage and they just had an abortion and on and on. If you don't see all that, it looks and it has the illusion like Hollywood that sin is just a great blessing to mankind and I should do whatever I think I want to do, which of course is a lie. Evelyn then talked about something that was very interesting I hadn't thought about either. She said, in today's episode, you had a short excerpt from Elon Musk talking about technology in the human body. As he was saying how this would be done, immediately a scripture verse came to mind from the book of Daniel, Daniel 2.43. And here's what it says. Very interesting. And in that you saw the iron mixed with common clay. They will combine with one another in the seed of men, but they will not adhere to one another even as iron does not combine with pottery. That's that verse. And then she says, do you think this has anything to do with them trying to biohack humans? Your words struck me, humans blended with machines. I've always wondered what this verse meant and up until now have not been able to imagine how this could possibly happen. Anyway, that's a very interesting point, Evelyn. I appreciate you bringing it up. It might be exactly what it's talking about as they try to combine man and machines to defile us and to destroy us.
Bella wrote this on Father's Day to me and wishing me a happy Father's Day. But she said, your father inspired a man to write a book that inspired a B-movie actor to rise and rise until he told Gorbachev to tear down this wall. That's the story of my father um, influencing John Stormer to write the book, None Dare Call It Treason, which motivated Reagan and then started a conservative movement that allowed him to be elected one day. Your father was involved in that. And that Berlin Wall was built after my father, Joseph Birdie, rode the subway from East Berlin to West Berlin to sample the high-quality goods available to those outside the slavery of the communist. And she goes on with some different things, but then she says this, Later, a few months after the failure of the Hungarian Revolution of October 1956, my father, Dr. Joseph Birdie, finagled an escape through communist Czechoslovakia to Austria, riding inside a passenger train. And she said, it's funny how we both have a connection to that wall, um, and her father was escaping from it. My father helped influence someone that, that influenced someone that eventually caused the wall to be torn down. But anyway, I, th I thought that was sweet. And her father wrote a book. And um, anyway, I'll try to get that and read that. But thank you for sharing that story and that encouraging message there. I appreciate that. That's fun to hear. I was over in Hungary a couple summers ago, and this is really sad. Some of the older people I met, they were involved in the Hungarian Revolution of 1956. They were teenagers, and they said this. They said, when we started the revolution against the communists who were trying to take us over with rocks and stones and Molotov cocktails and things against their tanks, we knew when America heard about that, they would come and save us. And he said, I remember sitting up on a roof holding a sign welcoming the fighter pilots from America to, as they would come in. And we waited, and we waited, and they never came. And then Hungary fell to the communists and were enslaved for 30-plus years and tormented because we didn't stand up to the communists. And if you study that whole story, it's so rotten why our government didn't go help them when they were trying to be free and trying to stop the communists from taking them over. But when I heard that guy talking about that, my eyes filled with tears as he himself waited on a roof as a teenager. He couldn't wait to see the fighter pilots of America come to save them. And they never came. Lynn says, We so appreciate all the information and documentaries you share. God has used them to open our eyes to truths about our country. And though painful, we would rather walk in truth than delusion. My daughter has three children, ages 5, 7, and 10, that are going to a Christian school. When she contacted the groups I recommended, Heritage Defense and HSLDA, those are two organizations that if you have children and you're homeschooling them, you need to be a member of. They would help protect you if anyone tried to ever take your children from you or violate your parental rights, um, Heritage Defense and HSLDA. But she said, as her daughter called about these, they said those groups are only for homeschooling families. Do you think there's other groups like that that are not for homeschoolers? I don't know. I've never heard of that. Um, there might be, if anybody knows of a group that helps defend parents against the state, um, 
when you have children, that would be great, and I'll, I'll try to research that, but I've never heard of that. It's, it's kind of sprung up inside the homeschool movement because those parents are trying to really take control of their children's lives in a positive way by giving them a great education, by you know teaching them the things they need to learn to be successful in life. Isn't it funny? Our educational system is doing none of that. Nothing practical, nothing that would help you succeed in marriage or family or business or as a citizen. It's all just the nonsense of foolishness that is being taught. Then Michael says, thanks for keeping us informed, motivated, and hopeful. Well, I'm glad you see it that way, and I am thankful to be able to do this so much, Michael. If believers create our own smaller, self-sufficient societies with our own food, economy, protection, biblical morals, etc., separate from a world gone mad in order to survive until Jesus returns, won't the globalists be upset that they can't control us and try to put a stop to our efforts? Do you think local law enforcement or the military would turn on their own people in order to force the globalist agenda of those of us who separated to survive? That could happen. I don't know. But I think it's wise of us to do that as long as possible and um, effectively as possible to be a blessing to others and to be able to stand for freedom and raise that next generation. And maybe they'll end up having to suffer for Christ and suffer for what they believe in like so many are right today all over the world. But um, I think it's our duty to try to create that in a separate situation, like the Bible tells us, be separate, you know, get out of their systems and, and then try to be a great example to those around you and live in such a way it brings glory to God. Carolyn says, first, let me say how much I enjoy your programming. I watched this week's episode with the interview with Diego Rodriguez. I would really love to share this with someone, but I'd like some clarification. My question is, is CPS sane? that they receive 83% of their cases that are unsubstantiated and then they investigate them? Or are they saying that when they remove children from their home, 83% of those cases are unsubstantiated? Yes, it's that last one there. That when they investigate their own actions by CPS, they see that 83% of the time they took the children from the parents they realized there was no grounds to do that whatsoever. <laughs> That's how just incompetent they are and how evil, and the suffering that you go through, even if, yeah, you get them back in two or three months, your nursing baby or whatever, is just unthinkable. But if you want to share a video, go to that babycyrus.com and his explanation of the whole situation. He has a video there, an hour and a half or so, of him going through exactly all the details in a presentation, that would be a good one to share because all the facts are right there. But yeah, we need to wake people up to what is going on. Heather had a great idea. We'll try to do this if it's possible. But she said you ought to have a check mark, a little box next to every single episode where people can check it once they've watched it so they know, oh, I've already seen that one. And that's a great idea. And I encourage all of you. I don't do this often enough, but if you've just become a subscriber recently or over the last couple of years and have missed some of the episodes, you might want to go back and just browse through them and look at the topics. We try to make these episodes where they are not 
time sensitive. Uh, most of them are not. You could watch them five years from now and hopefully get a blessing, understanding, learn something you didn't know. But I encourage you to do that. But that's a great idea. I'll see if that's possible, Heather, where we could put a little box there so you can just check off all the ones you've seen and you can see, oh, here's some more I haven't seen yet. That would be great. Then Jennifer asked, I want to pull my child out of the public school system. The major problem is she is autistic and has several learning disabilities, auditory, visual, dyslexia. And then she goes on, our school system has been taking pretty good care of her. But if the school system implements radical changes, I will be forced to pull her out. Any ideas of how to teach a child with disabilities? Keep in mind, I'm not all that savvy either. Uh, Jennifer, I'm sure you are. And we had some children with dyslexia and things like that. And there's people you can find who can help with those things. But a lot of times the security of a home, the security of a parent being right there, loving, teaching, instructing, enjoying, um, is very healthy for the children in and of itself. And uh, your daughter might just enjoy having all that time with you. And I, I know there's many things out there that could be a blessing to you. I don't know one off the top of my head, but being that homeschooling has become such a large movement of over 5 million children being homeschooled, I'm sure there's many parents that if you went online, you could find ones that are also, that are teaching their children that are autistic at home, and they would have great advice and great experience in doing that. But I encourage you to think about that because that time with her is something that once it's gone, it's gone forever. You can't go back and spend that time with your children while they're young ever again. And that goes for all of you parents and grandparents. Invest in your children and grandchildren every day. Try to spend as much time as you can influencing, loving, encouraging, and then building that relationship strong. So if you see them start to veer off course, you have a relationship enough with them. When you take them out to lunch and talk to them, they're probably going to listen because they love you because they've seen how much you love them. It's so vital that we do that. The next question is from Heather. I listened to your interview by Jan Markell on Understanding the Times. You made a lot of interesting points, and I'm wondering if you have any news items or facts you could cite to back up your interview. For example, you stated that Bill Gates recently said that there would be an epidemic in 2025 that would kill the young rather than the old. Yes, um, the conference he had is called Catastrophic Contagion. It was October of 2022, last fall, and I'm going to have a clip right now I'm going to play for you that talks about it a little bit. But at this conference, if you watch the whole thing, they talked about, yeah, it'll probably be here by 2025. And we're really thinking it's going to be a, a virus that really has a high fatality rate in young people. But watch this clip. Officials in two Latin American countries alerted the WHO of several outbreaks of a new infectious disease that's mysteriously appearing across the region, Severe Epidemic Enterovirus Respiratory Syndrome 2025. Over the past six weeks alone, there have been 500 confirmed or suspected cases reported. 
The virus could cause a severe pandemic if early containment and mitigation efforts are not successful. At this stage, communication is key, and communication should include not just scientists with data, but also social, religious, and political leaders. Trust. This is an essential issue. And trust was broken among countries, between populations and healthcare systems, between healthcare systems and governments. As of today, there have been an estimated 1 billion cases worldwide, with more than 20 million deaths, including nearly 15 million children. Countless millions are alive, but left with paralysis or brain damage. The most successful countries are those which invested in preparedness and trained for this moment years in advance. This included having full-time pandemic preparedness and response teams, which conducted detailed operational planning and routinely tested those plans through exercises and drills. If more countries had participated and heeded the guidance, the toll might have been much less. The next comment was from Don. I thank you very much for educating me about so many things. Your information has helped me to recognize dangers in my life and helped me to try to warn others. I could do more to tell others, and my prayer is for clear direction from the Holy Spirit about who, when, and how. And at the moment, I am just telling anyone I can locally. Well, thank you for that encouragement, Don. I'm so thankful this is a positive influence on you. That's our goal in doing this. We're not just wasting your time. We're encouraging, we're informing, we're motivating you to do the right thing and, and live your life the way God would want you to live it. And anyway, but thank you. That's very encouraging. And keep it up and he'll let you know and he'll open the right doors to the right people at the right time. Another very encouraging one from Carol. And we appreciate you all when you do take the time to tell us that you appreciate the show and, and for what reasons it helps us just keep going one day at a time. But she says, thank you so much for all you do. I've been able to inform most of my friends of all they're missing, which is a lot. You have fantastic programs and people get it when they hear it from you. You have the most special way about you, the kindness you have, and the love for your Lord shows through so brightly. Keep shining, Curtis. We need you. That's so kind and so humbling. I'm so thankful that God allows it to come out that way um, because I want it to, but it's not always easy to make sure that you're communicating clearly and kindly and for the right reasons, but thank you for that. John says, I do wish we could be more straightforward about the Lord's return and what it means for us believers. Yes, it's, it's wonderful, John. And I think there's so many people that really focus on that, like Jan Markell, who's wonderful and encouraging and letting you know the things that are happening that the Bible says would happen and things like that. And I'm glad for that. He goes on, the Bible is clear that there will be a one world government for a short period of time and an Antichrist for seven years. And he goes on through some different verses and things. And I agree with you, John, about that. But my feelings are the one world government could come before the Antichrist. That's very possible with the way the world is heading. And so that's why we still talk about the issues. Again, we need to be sharing the gospel so that people get saved and then they're born again so their eyes are open and they can see the spiritual battle we're in. That's vital. 
then we need to read and study the Bible for the encouragement it gives us when we see these things happening. Yes, the Bible told us they would happen. But in that, then we need to act to stand against the evil. Um, and maybe we won't be successful, but God is always pleased when we stand against what is evil because he hates it. And we're supposed to hate it too. And world government, totalitarian ideas, Marxist philosophies, they hurt people. And we are here to love our neighbor. And that's why with every fiber in us, we stand against the corruption, the evil, and we expose it. And in doing so, we just never know what God's plans are. I just know he is so long-suffering. I've seen it in my own life, but I see it throughout the Bible where sometimes he patiently waits hundreds of years for things that you think, why when the children of Israel were crying out to, to you know be free from Pharaoh and the slaves, why do you wait 400 years? Well, I don't know, but I know him doing that was perfect. He knew exactly what he was doing. He cannot make a mistake. And so I just trust in that. I guess when you have children and grandchildren and stuff too, your heart is hoping that righteousness will prevail and reign once again. And, and our grandchildren will mature and age in a country that fears God and loves his commandments. Again, might be pie in the sky that doesn't happen, but I think they have the vision of wanting to create and wanting to influence the world and the country we've been born in and the, the states we live in to glorify God in all they do is a noble cause. And I will keep doing that as long as God allows me to. Marcia asks, do you have any ideas as far as sports activities that would not be all consuming? How do you feel about martial arts? We have known Christians who have their children in a martial arts program. Is there a problem with those programs in your mind? And she goes on in different details where they don't want their children just obsessed with sports, and I agree with that. But it's good to be involved in some activities. And I think running type things are great. Uh, my boys do the Spartan races, which are a, kind of a real challenging obstacle course thing as an outlet for their need to be competitive and to take care of themselves and motivation to, to train for things, which I think is important for men. We need strong, disciplined men uh, in the world we're heading into. And so things like that are good. I think martial arts are fine if they're not teaching all the foolishness of the Far East and you know all the paganism and things like that. In our town here, there's a little jujitsu place. My boys all go do that. And the teacher's a nice man in the community that's just teaching them how to defend themselves and how to, you know, be there in case someone is hurting someone else, how to stop them and things like that. And I think that's wonderful. You just need to be in a good program where they're not getting a lot of extra nonsense in the process. But um, running is a great sport, too, because you can do it individually and you can go run the races and then train at home. You don't have to be around others that are doing that necessarily especially if they're a bad influence. And some of the team sports are dangerous because it knits your, the hearts of your children together with other children that might be heading in a completely different direction than they are. And that influence is then there because, oh, that's my buddy. Well, the buddy might be doing things you shouldn't be doing. And so we have to be careful of that. But I think you're thinking right, Marcia. But I think uh, there's lots of different individual type sports you can do to get 
good exercise to be challenged, to have a goal, to give you a purpose in your training and exercise. Every man, and especially every young man, should at least 45 minutes to an hour every day be doing some hard physical activity. And I think even as you get older, at my age, I try to do at least 45 minutes every day of something hard, something strenuous. Um, I think we just need to do that. It's, it's important to take care of ourselves and to be prepared for whatever might be ahead. Another lady named Carol uh, said, I won't be drawing Social Security until November of 2023. Hopefully it'll be there when I get there. I want to know if you have any advice or what your thoughts are on having a big chunk of my savings in treasury bills. With CBDC lurking in the wings, will the government be able to control those investments or take them? I don't know all that for sure, and I'm not a financial advisor, um, but I've heard financial advisors that I listen to on the internet talk about treasury bills being a pretty good thing, a safe haven to, to have some of your money in, so that sounds good from what I've heard from others. But I think you're probably going to be okay with Social Security. I think they're going to start cutting it in 2030 or 2035 and some things, cutting it down more and more slowly. But I don't think it'll vaporize overnight because it just can't. There's too many people dependent on it, even though they've so corruptly set up that whole system where it just allowed the Congress to spend more money each year instead of saving it for the people retiring. And the CBDC thing, yeah, we're going to have to see as that comes, how it's implemented, how they you know try to control it. Is it programmable to begin with or not? Uh, and, and so many other details with that. But I wouldn't worry. I think November of this year, uh, you should be getting your payments. And, and don't worry about those things. Just pray that God will bless and protect you and be wise with the money you do have. We don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, but God does. So we just need to focus on one day at a time being faithful. Next comment is from Steve. I was disappointed in the segment of your program regarding solar energy. When it comes to solar panels, electric vehicles, and wind turbines, you said those three things alone are doing more destruction to the environment worldwide than anything else. I have solar panels in my home, and he goes in to talk about how they've saved him money and everything. And I wanted to address this. Steve, if it sounded like I was against those things, I am if a government is doing them. I'm thinking about getting some solar panels on my house. So individually, yeah, to help be self-sufficient in things, it might be a wise thing. For governments to do it when it is an incredible waste of money, you could build so much more energy capabilities and other type plants, coal-fired plants and natural gas and things like that. So it's, it's wasteful for them to do them because they're not efficient. And solar panels still aren't efficient. I'm glad you're saving some on your monthly bill. That's great, but the cost of them usually doesn't even come out even with that. But I'm not against them. I'm just saying, isn't it interesting, the lie of the left? Because of environmental reasons, we're cutting coal, we're cutting petroleum, natural gas, we're cutting all that, and we're going to go to electric vehicles, solar panels, and wind turbines that all cause more actual destruction to the environment than anything else. Remember, carbon is not a pollutant like they tell us. That's a lie. Things that are producing carbon dioxide should be given tax 
credits because our world needs to double the amount of CO2 in the atmosphere to help everything that is green thrive. We're at a low level of CO2 right now in the atmosphere, 400 parts per million. It would be wonderful if we could get it up to at least 800 parts per million. We can't because our activity affects it so little. But CO2 is a wonderful blessing to everything that is green. And as I said before, that's why greenhouse growers double, triple, and quadruple the level of CO2 inside their greenhouses so the life of the plants explode. So, but, but I wanted you to know I'm not against those things. If you're doing that, that's great. Um, and you said, am I possibly involved in the oil industry? No, I'm not <laughs> at all. I don't have stocks and bonds in anything. But then he goes on, to me, the idea of harvesting energy from the sun is a God-given miracle. I think it's wonderful. And I think the technology in coming years, when we're really able to grab a huge percentage of that, it's going to be one of the key solutions to the problem. But it's not right now. <laughs> Right now, we need nuclear power plants being built in every state, many of them, and then coal, oil, natural gas. It is so cheap, and the price of electricity, if we were allowed to be energy independent, would be about one-tenth of what it is right now. The price for a gallon of gasoline, if we would pull off all the regulations and restrictions, would stay at a dollar per gallon forever. And the cost of energy would drop down so low, you'd be shocked because all of those energies are just coming out of the ground. We don't have to make them. We just have to, to get them out and then use them. And so anyway, but I wanted to clarify that. Another key point Steve brought up was he does realize that the windmill blades are just piling up. And I've got an article right here because they can't recycle them. There's hundreds of thousands of them being taken down every year and just stack places. And um, a friend of mine sent me these pictures that you're looking at right now. Just he was driving down the road and saw these semis filled with the old blades. And these things are massive, 120 feet long and huge. And they're just piling up. There's no place to put them. And so anyway, there's uh, a lot of detrimental effects from these things. The wind turbines are ridiculous. They're killing the endangered species of birds. And then the cost per kilowatt hour you're getting is ridiculous. And they're not clean at all. It takes more pollution to create, put up, maintain a windmill than it saves in its entire life. And that's the same with solar panels as well. So the whole thing of the whole lie of these things being green is simply that a lie. It's just a scheme by the government um, where they get these tax credits and breaks the, the elites, the rich, on putting up windmills, putting up solar panels. That's why they're doing it. But it's making the cost of energy go up tremendously, which is hurting most of all the poor people in our country. And that's why we should say, no, thank you. We are not interested in anything except nuclear and other things like that that make energy very inexpensive. Shirley says, a couple weeks ago, Curtis advised against using credit cards even if you're getting rewards. I only use about three credit cards and keep my balance down and get rewards. Why do you recommend using cash and not your credit cards? The reason being, I know they're convenient and everything, is that if everybody's using credit cards for everything, when they implement the CBDC and the digital system, it won't make any difference because we're already 
every single transaction is digital, every single transaction they're keeping track of. So if we use cash, more and more people use cash, it makes businesses have to have some cash in the drawer to give you change. And so it keeps a lot of cash in the system. As we all go to debit cards and credit cards, a lot of stores now are like, we don't even have cash here. So then we've got that digital system that surveils every single purchase every single time already before the CBDC even comes out. So it's just many people are pushing for all of us to use cash as often as possible um, to keep your transactions private. So it gives you more privacy. A lot of the credit card companies, most of them are Chase, which is the Rockefeller family. So every time we use our credit cards, we're also giving money to the people that are trying to set up this invisible prison around us. That's probably the, the greatest reason to stop doing it but it's also slowly making the use of cash more obsolete where it would disappear on its own even if they didn't have a CBDC. And the day there's no more cash is the day you're subject to them having knowledge of every single thing you do every single day. And, and then as they start to create the social credit scores and everything, they'll say, oh, you donated to this or that, or you went to this restaurant, that's a conservative restaurant. They'll start profiling you to come against you. Like I said at the very beginning, The Last Revolution, the article by Diana West, they already in their belief system think all of us are terrorists. All of us are enemies of the state. That right now, that's not coming. That's what they think of us right now. And slowly as they escalate the attacks against us and gather more information on us so they know who we are, then they know, oh, they got all your social media accounts and stuff. Or they know everything about you. They have pictures of you every day of your life. The more we give them that kind of information, it will be used against us. So again, not using credit cards is just one way to remain private in a portion of our life. If we cut the social media stuff or we remain private in our day-to-day -day and we start picking up the phone and calling people um, and talking to them on landlines so our conversations are private and on and on, it just it keeps them from profiling us into their enemy that at some point they're going to come against. And, um, but it just preserves cash as long as possible, which is important for us. It's wonderful to live in a society where you can buy and sell privately from people, whatever you want, and you can just be free to engage in commerce however you want to do that. Anyway, thank you so much for sending in questions. There's many I didn't have time to get to, of course. We get hundreds of questions, but I wanted to cover some of them every so often, but our verse for this week is Mark 9, 42. And whosoever shall offend one of these little ones that believe in me, it is better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck and he were cast into the sea. I think that fits today with what we talked about at the beginning, the Sound of Freedom movie that's exposing how our system we've allowed to be created inside a free society is abusing children. And those people will pay one day. Um, but we need to work toward defeating that evil, standing against it, educating people about how it's going on and how prevalent it is. 
but it's a good verse to memorize because we want to never be accused of this ourselves. Live in such a way that you're not defiling anyone and that you're only influencing those that are younger um, in a positive, meaningful way. And whosoever shall offend one of these little ones that believe in me, it is better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck and he were cast into the sea. I appreciate you being there. Thank you so much for watching. And until next week, God bless you.